Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Phantom Talk, but not just Phantom Talk. We are back doing the Star Wars EU or EU review. And man, there's a part of us kind of sad about this episode because it is the ending of our first big EU or EU review event. And that was the hotter than Mustafar summer. Al, how hot of a summer was it for us? Oh boy, it was. Well, it was so hot. Just everything was on fire. Just like the birth of Darth Vader, some would argue. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> you know, you're not wrong. You are not wrong. Oh man. If you have, if this is your first time listening to us, uh, boy, you're in for a ride. But also, if this is your first time listening to us, uh, particularly this summer, uh, we have been doing the hotter than most of our summer. Where we were focusing on three different Star Wars comics that really focused on Darth Vader, um, he being the titular character in the first two, and actually in this one as well. Um, we focused on, we did Kieran Gillen's first two volumes, which lead into this actually. And, uh, then we did kind of a time jump to a little, a little prologue, if you will, uh, for Carl souls, first two volumes of his run on Darth Vader. And now we, today we are covering star Wars Vader down, which was the first uh, crossover event for the star Wars comics after they came back to Marvel in 2015. Um, very excited to talk about this, um, and we are going to get to that here in just a second, but we cannot do that without you all knowing who we are. And you obviously already know my voice, uh, and you may actually know who I am. But if you don't, my name is Jacob Vance Hardesty. I'm the editor-in-chief here at the Fan of Correspondence, and I'm so happy to continue to be talking about Star Wars for you, but also I get to talk about Star Wars with one of the best people I know in the entirety of the world, Mr. Al Manley. Better known as the Red Lanyard. Al, how you doing tonight, man? I am doing just, uh, just fantastic. It's really come like completely full circle with this event uh, because we started out with just talking about uh, what's probably um, my favorite um, Star Wars comic um, that I've read, and we're ending it with what's probably, I assume, your favorite Star Wars comic that you've read. So it's really a circle of life thing we got going here. It's um, you'd be hard pressed to find find one I like more, honestly. Um, I, I will admit because I even mentioned this to you. Um, I've read this probably about three times within the first year that it came out, and then as life happens and then work schedules got crazier, I. I kind of stopped rereading a lot of comics. Um, I know that sucks. I hate that. I plan on going back on some of the things that I do own and then kind of rereading some things. But there's so many comics out there, obviously. And uh, Lord knows I have quite a few myself. But uh, I was so happy to be going back through this one again because it did remind me, like you said, that how much I loved it. And also the many reasons why I loved it. And there's so many ridiculous moments that I completely forgot about that I cannot wait to talk with you about. Um, one of my favorite, this utterly ridiculous side characters <laughs> um, has his finale in this, in this comic. Um, but we will get to that here in just a moment. Um, first off, we do want to let you all know that once again, if this is your first time listening to us, please check out some of the other episodes that we have here on Spotify and iTunes and possibly other podcast destinations by the time this gets out. I'm not, I'm not sure. I've, I've been looking at other things, you know, doing, doing my EIC duties, you know? Um, but you can definitely check out the brothers with issues podcast, which is where me and Josh, my brother, uh, talk about just comics in general, currently covering the DC and Marvel events of dark crisis and judgment day. Um, those have been a lot of fun to do. Then we also have a new one called the fandom lounge. It was a little bit more laid back where we're just kind of talking about just the stuff that we've been reading, stuff we've been watching, stuff we've been video games, we've been playing and comics and books, basically whatever nerd stuff we're getting up to, we're going to be talking about it on fandom lounge. And we've got a new episode of that coming, I believe later this week as well. So yeah, be on the lookout for that, but we're going to jump right in. We're going to jump right into Vader down. Once again, if you have not read this, Please, please feel free to go ahead and pause us. Take your time. This is a comic we don't want to spoil because it is a lot of fun. 
There's a lot of good moments that I would hate to spoil for you. Uh, we are looking at Star Wars Vader Down as the graphic novel. Um, Al, I believe that graphic novel should have, excuse me, Star Wars Vader Down, number one. It's a special. Then Star Wars 13 and 14, as well as Darth Vader um, 13, 14, and 15. Is that correct? You are 100% correct. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah, because I remember, because Star Wars 15, if I remember correctly, is the uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi cover, which I really like, but well, that's for another, that's for another discussion. <laughs> um, but yes, so, once again, spoiler alert, exit now. All right, cool. So, Al, we left off, uh, really kind of just like a perfect, perfect kind of way to leave off, because we covered the first two parts of Jason Aaron's run of Star Wars back in March for Comic Fest, and then we covered Kieran Gillen's first two runs at the beginning of Hot of the Moose for our summer, and now it has all culminated here in Vader Down. Uh, do you want to give us like a quick little summary of where our characters are at at the beginning of the story? No. Um, yeah, so... Oh! <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I would be happy to. So um, we have uh, we have our titular character himself, um, the uh, the Dark Lord Darth Vader. Uh, and he is on his way um, to a little planet um, called Vas Vrogas, um, is how I'm going to say these um, space words. Um, he's heading to Vas Vrogas, or Vrogas Vas, I'm sorry. Um, he's heading to Vrogas Vas um, because um, the wonderful, um, fantastic um, OC character um, in these comics, um, Dr. Aphra, um, who Vader has kind of hired on as like his personal kind of agent and liaison, um, has discovered the presumed uh, location of Luke Skywalker. Um, and as one might imagine, uh, for anyone who has seen or knows anything about Star Wars, um, Darth Vader is pretty interested in this little old guy, Luke. Um, and so um, she passes um, Darth Vader that information. Vader is heading um, to Rogas Voss as this comic opens up. Um, Luke... Um, is not on Vrogas Voss uh, by any accident. Um, he's recently um, discovered the journal of Obi-Wan um, on Tatooine. He had a whole kind of little adventure there. He got into, like, basically like a, a, a tavern fight with Boba Fett, which was pretty cool. Um, and he, he reclaimed um, the journal um, of Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's been reading that. He's learned that there's a Jedi temple um, on this planet. Um, so that was, so that's a big reason why Luke Skywalker has come to this planet to see if he can learn more about how to be a Jedi, uh, see if he can learn more about the Force, try to be the Jedi that um, Obi-Wan hoped that he would be. So, that was, so that's what he's up to. Um, as far as other characters um, who are going to play big into the story, um, Han and Leia and Chewie, um, everybody's kind of favorite class of characters. Um, they are kind of in a different area, but they will be showing up very soon. And then Dr. Aphra and her antagonistic bots are kind of in the wings, holding out to see if they can assist Vader in any way. Um, having kind of recently kind of tried their, uh, kind of towed the line uh, with their um, allegiance with Vader a bit. Uh, they're there to hopefully prove that they're on his side and hopefully kind of smooth things over with him. So that kind of sets um, our characters up. And Jacob, I'll pass it over to you because I know I can only imagine how much you love the intro to this comic. Where does Darth Vader, what kind of a, you know, what kind of a a predicament, let's say, what kind of a predicament uh, does Darth Vader find himself as he comes into Vergus Voss? So, as, as previously stated, 
One of my favorite parts about any kind of expanded universe lore, really, in general, is when it's able to expand on certain things that are said in the movies, but don't necessarily get focused on as much as they probably should. Um, And one of those is Anakin's uh, ability as a pilot. Um, I talked about this during the Guinea Tartakovsky Clone Wars episode as well. Um, but this one is just on a completely other level. Like the way that everyone was freaking out about the rogue one scene, um, is kind of how I was with this. Like, mm. it's one of the situations where it's like, I shouldn't be rooting for Darth Vader and this shouldn't be as cool as it is, but it just, it, it is, you know? Um, so what happens is Darth Vader shows up on Vrogus Voss, which I am, I'm rolling with, I'm rolling with that pronunciation as well until I hear otherwise, Al, you are correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he rolls up on Vrogus Voss, and he's just, you know, like, he's like, I'm a Dark Lord of the Sith. Ain't nothing gonna stop me. And when he gets there, there are, is it two legions? Or two, or is it, or no, like, like, like three squadrons or something to that effect. I know it ends up where it's, it's something like 40 fighters or something like that. Um, and Darth Vader just... I mean, takes them all out. I mean, they can't, they can't touch him. Um, Three, um, three squadrons. Three squadrons. Okay. I don't know. I don't know how many pilots are in a squadron. This is like a, this is like how many quarts are in a gallon type of thing. I don't know how many pilots (laughs) are in that, but like, I think I will, at one point when Vader uh, tells Afer that there are three squadrons in front of in front of him, she says that like there's dozens of hiders who are trying to kill him. So mm-hmm. it's a lot. It's a good amount. It, it is a lot. Yes. I mean, no, no matter what. I mean, even if it was just like, bottom line is he's outnumbered. Even if it was just like ten fighters, that's still ten to one. Like those. But I mean, let's face it. You you never tell Han the odds, and you definitely don't tell him Darth Vader either. So. He just, I mean, he just mows them all down. He just, they, they can't, they can't even touch him. Um, of course, the, the interesting thing, and you, uh, you had mentioned this as well. Uh, at one point, uh, I think you, you were talking about, I want to say it was like Air of the Empire or something, where Luke just straight up does a suicide dive, um, onto Darth Vader and that's how he that's how he saves everyone that's how Vader goes down is um Luke is like well no one else is able to do anything and he even apologizes he's like I'm sorry R2 and just charges straight into him and um Vader at first I don't think he realizes who he is and he's like finally an enemy worth killing and then he does realize and they slowly they just kind of they both kind of veer off at the same time, just enough to where they both get damaged enough that they land on the planet. Um, and from there, we have the titular scene of Vader down. It is literally Darth Vader by himself um, for the next three issues. But here's the thing. Even though it is Darth Vader by himself, it is Darth Vader at some of his, I mean, most terrifying moments. Um Probably one of my favorite quotes of in EU history is when when he gets knocked down and everyone starts moving, everyone starts converging on him because there's this there's a base that's there's a rebel base that's there, like a small like outpost, and the rest of the rebel fleet starts running towards him basically because they're like, dude, we've got a we have a shot at taking out Darth Vader, and there's a point where he is literally surrounded by. I mean, it's well over 200 people. Um, And one of them says, Vader, we have you surrounded. And he says, all I'm surrounded by is fear and dead men. And it's just, I mean, I, I can't think of a better line for the Dark Lord of the Sith himself. Like for, for someone to just be a dominant force then all I'm surrounded by is fear and dead men. Um, But that actually does lead me to my next question, Al, because I'm curious. So, you know, I talked about, I I, I did mention about how I enjoy 
um, in the e in the different EU, whether it's comics or shows or, or books, where they show things that are only mentioned in the movies or things that were maybe limited by um, by effects at the time or things such a, of that nature. So I am curious, Vader's abilities in Rogue One and in comics such as this, do they make him seem less in the original trilogy to you? Or would you say that it's more so about, like, in the original trilogy, by that point, by the times that we see him, he's already just like, I'm just going to let other people handle this for me. I don't even need to really lift a finger kind of situation. Uh, well, yeah. I think, I mean, I think the probably the easiest way to kind of address that disparity in, like, um, in, like, the shows of shows of force um that pun emphatically intended um (laughs) is that um you know at no real point in the original trilogy do we really see vader like have a need to do any of these things Mm -hmm. um i mean all the scenes we see him in, I mean, it kind of shows like where he and the Empire are at because the vast majority of those scenes are he already has the upper hand. You know, he's not having to to struggle to overcome any odds. He's not having to to overcome, you know, massive, massive waves of the enemy of the enemy army. I mean, the situations we see him in usually are, like, very small-scale kind of interpersonal situations where he already has the upper hand. I mean, you know, we see him in A New Hope, and, like, he gets on the transport ship uh, where where Leia's at, and, like, the stormtroopers, like, already have the transport like he doesn't, uh, he doesn't need to like sh- sh- show up and do a bunch of insane f- horsepowers because like there isn't any need, and I think it also shows that like you know obviously Vader is incredibly powerful, he's incredibly resourceful, and he's able to do these incredible, unbelievable things, but like. I think it kind of shows the growth uh, between where we see Vader at, like, the end of Revenge of the Sith, where we see him um, in the bits of Charles Soule's run on the character, to to A New Hope and onwards, is that, like, uh, he's also grown and matured in a lot of ways as well. You know, he's not the... Impulsive Jedi Knight uh, that Anakin was. He's not allowing himself to fall into, you know, um, incredibly d- dangerous or or one-sided kind of situations where he could fall into a trap. Um, he's he's usually in control of the situation, um, especially from um, Empire Strikes Back onward. I mean, we see very much controlled um already has the room (laughs) surrounded and knows what he's gonna do and say version of darth vader (laughs) so um i think it's interesting to see him in these kinds of situations where he has to be resourceful and he has to show more of the extent of his power um but also to show that he as a character also has the confidence and also has the insight to know like when that is a necessary thing and when he needs to not show off and just kind of have like a more quiet control of the situation. Um, I think that's, that's kind of how it plays out for me. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I completely agree. I, I just kind of knew that was going to be a, I knew it would be a discussion point for us sooner or later uh, of, some, of something to discuss, like, during any time that we talk about Vader and any of these EU things. Um, but I, I completely agree. Like you said, when – I mean, those two – the two major sort, the two major uh, lightsaber duels that he has, uh, or really three, I guess, technically, 
uh, being Obi-Wan and then the two times versus Luke. But the two that he has against Luke, like, he is almost completely in control the entire time. And the one time that he isn't is when Luke is just going insane. Um, and that's kind of purposeful, in my opinion. But like you said, every other time that he... I mean, see him in the movies, but he doesn't really need to. So, yeah. Um, so, one thing that I had honestly forgotten about, but I was kind of curious uh, your thoughts on it. Um, Princess Leia in this comic. Princess Leia, yeah. Princess Leia. I mean, now, now here's the thing. I do not mean anything that I'm about to say as a disparaging remark towards her because I love Princess Leia and I, I, I completely understand where she's coming from here, but we see a very different side of her in this. Um, we see more of the general uh, as opposed to the princess in this, in my opinion, because we see more of the the one who is trying to be pragmatic and trying to say we need to take out Vader, but it's even at the – but it's possibly even at the risk of her friends, particularly Luke um, – so what are your and, – and really – and also Han. What are, what are your thoughts on Han and Leia and their kind of relationship in this and, and their relationship towards Luke in this? Yeah, I was um, – I was hoping you brought uh, – I was hoping you bring this up actually uh, because this is a really interesting um, side of the, both of those characters I think. Um, some people might say that this is very odd and out of character for Leia. And while I can see someone saying that to the extent of comparing her to what we've seen just like in the films and things like that, um, I could see where a person would kind of be coming from with that. Um, I think this chapter in Aya's life um, is very, very important to see um, in order to like really fully, really... Um, understand and kind of get into the nitty gritty of who her character is. Because um, for one thing, um, and really it's the central thing um, about her portrayal here in this story, is that we've never really seen a uh, have a chance to, as far as like the films and things. Like that go. We've never seen her have a chance to grieve over Alderaan. Sure. Because she has just kind of been, you know, swept up into the war <laughs> between the Empire and the Rebellion. Um, and she's had things to do and she's had um, various um, essential scenarios that she's had to deal with and address. So we've never really seen her grieve over Alderaan. Um, and I think that this portrayal of her character is so essential, um, uh, because this, in a lot of ways, how this plays out and how she talks about it, like, this is her way to channel her grief over losing essentially everybody she's ever known in her life. Mm. Is that, like, you know, Vader was there, he was a part of this, and, like... We have to do what we can to stop him because this happened to me and this could happen to somebody else. And we see that kind of, as you said, that kind of pragmatism come out of her. And I would venture to say that this is this scene in this um, kind of like expanded <laughs> universe comic book story. This scene is probably the closest we've seen a uh, really show her Skywalker side, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, this is really the first time we've really seen her kind of um, her more impulsive um, tendencies come out of her that we've so often kind of associated um you know obviously with anakin uh we've kind of associated that with what? luke as well to an extent yeah i'm gonna drop some bombs here tonight it's crazy man uh, <laughs> <laughs> um and like this is probably the point where we see the most anakin come out of her um and i enjoyed that i thought that was a great kind of he tell to her character, um, skipping ahead a bit. I mean, she does eventually 
kind of come back from that um, and, and comes back to value her friends over anything else. But um, I thought that was an entirely appropriate uh, kind of um, direction for her character to go in. Because, again, we get to see her kind of experience that grief um, over the loss of her world, of her family, and of her, her friends. Um, and we also kind of do get to see that Aya, as incredible and amazing of a character and consistent of a character that she is, um, and we finally get to see some of that Skywalker slide kind of come out of her, um, which I enjoyed. Um, I'm going to be real. I mean, you brought up Han. I think this interaction um, is way more out of character for Han, at, at least at the point where he is in the overall story. Um, I think it's way more out of character for him than it is um, for yeah, Because, I mean, he's so, he's so on the opposite end of pragmatism, and it's just like, no, we got to go and, and save Luke. We have to... You know, we have to go and save our friends. Um, where, you know, the next film that comes up, the beginning of Empire, he's ready to ETFO again. So I, th so I sure. think, if anything, this scene feels way more out of place for Han uh, uh, than it does for uh, yeah, um, at any point. But, um, um, you know, I didn't hate this with Han at all. I thought it was kind of refreshing for him to be that um, helpless that early in the in the story and stuff. But um, yeah, that's kind of where I fall on those kinds of depictions. So one of the things for me, like when it, when it came to when it came to Han, I excuse me, I, I completely agree with literally everything you said about Princess Leia. By the way, that was kind of that was kind of what I was getting at, and you just you nailed it. Um, with Han, so the reason that I don't, the reason I don't necessarily mind his depiction in this, um, is is the same reason I really don't mind Leia's depiction in this because because you're right. This is we. I don't think we really focus on the fact that this is. I mean, a month or two after the Death Star, so I mean, this is still very early. This is still very early into their all's relationship. And at this point, you know, Han, he's still not really sure what he wants. And he's still not really sure, you know, where where he needs to go and who, what he needs to do to help everyone. But the thing is, is that when it comes down to it, I think it's more so, it's less about him wanting to be selfless to help, like, the Rebellion or anything. But, and, but I think it's more so just because he's like, it's Luke and he's against Darth Vader basically by himself. Because I don't trust a single one of these rebel soldiers to actually be able to help him out, which, as we see in in the in the book, fair. Um, nothing against the brave rebel soldiers who lost their lives taking on Darth Vader, but once again, they were taking on Darth Vader. Um, but for me, you know, you you, you mentioned when he's when he's so ready to leave at the beginning of Empire, I still don't take that as. I don't take that as he's ready to leave, like in the sense of like I just want to leave these people and never see them again. But I take it more, and I know, and I know that's not necessarily what he meant. Um, but I take it more of well, he needs to leave because of a necessity. Um, so much so that even whenever he hears that Luke is still out there in Hoth, that he's like, "Well, I guess I'm going back out there because I'm not leaving yet until I know that he's safe." It's really a similar kind of situation here, where it's like I, if Luke is by himself against Vader. We need to help him. Um, but I think, I think it's, it is kind of interesting to see the, the, the inverse of where, like you said, they are going to be at, at the literally the opening of empire strikes back. Um, but I, I did really like that. And I think Leia has some, Leia is probably the, I would say the strongest. I think she has the strongest character development throughout the, uh, the first, I guess I guess technically call it the first period of uh, of the Star Wars Marvel comics because it's it's seventy five issues that all lead up to Empire Strikes Back, and then from there it's Charles Soule taking over and being like I'm gonna do all kinds of crazy stuff, um, really good crazy stuff by the way, but crazy stuff nonetheless. Um, 
but Leia has a lot of really interesting developments because you're right. She, we've never really seen her have a chance to grieve. And there's, except for in a, in a couple of certain books and certain comics and everything. And I think this really handles it really well where it's, she doesn't have a, it's not really like a mournful kind of grief, but it's more so I have to do this to make up for what has happened. You know, I have to make sure this doesn't happen again. Um, I think uh, next year I'll be focusing on a book where we do get more time for her to actually really kind of mourn the loss of the people that she's lost. Um, but well, that'll be for another time. Um, but yeah, no, I just I, I love both of their character developments in this. I, I was really, I was really kind of intrigued intrigued on your thoughts about them. So, um, moving forward, I so Luke lands on uh, Rogus Voss, and there's a moment. I'm really curious your thoughts on this. So, if you have not read the book, if you have not read the book yourself, there is a moment where he goes to what we are led to believe following um, what we see on Jeddah and Rogue One uh, and, and in Octo and Last Jedi, um, what we see is a very old Jedi temple, um, much more part of the Earth, uh, part of the land ar- around it and everything, as opposed to the, uh, the kind of opulence of the Coruscant one, which, you know, it makes sense, honestly. Um there's a point where Luke says he feels cold and he looks out and he sees two shapes and he says that one is Ben he says the other one is Anakin, my father. Al, what do you think is happening there? And who do you think both of those shapes are? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, a, yeah, it's kind of an interesting scene. Um, he, you know what? I'm sure that there is like a a big brain um, Star Wars YouTuber out there who has examined the scene in the comics and has this huge theory that this is like uh, <laughs> that this is like um, the um, the brother and the daughter of the Force who are <laughs> who are depicted in Clone oh. Wars <laughs> and Luke is having like this. This kind of come to Jesus moment of just like, oh, both sides of the force are are approaching me, and I have to decide which one it is. Um, I'm sure that that exists. I'm I'm positive it does. Um, I don't think that's what it is. I think that'd be kind of weird. Um, but um, it's very it's very interesting. Of course, we don't get to see that um, scene come to fruition because that's when. Um, he gets like um, tricked and like electrocuted by triple zero, mm. um, which is a which is a great scene by the way. I love um, how Afra had like a had a plan there where they were <laughs> where she was just like, wait, all of these <laughs> protocol droids kind of look the same. Yep. If you pa- <laughs> if you paint them a certain way, <laughs> like let's just let's just do that. Um, that was genius on her part. I mean, I don't think it's it's too out there to just kind of take this scene at its word and just kind of accept the idea that, you know, this is an old Jedi temple. Um, this is a place where the Force is particularly strong. Um, and hell... Um, how Luke very well could be having kind of a vision through the force of of what of what he's trying to find, right? Mm-hmm. He's trying to the whole reason he came here is because he's trying to find out how to be a Jedi and what um, the force really means and what uh, he can use the force for and things like that. And um, through that kind of channel, it's I don't think it's too out there to think that like um, in this kind of place he he would have a vision of the only people who who he really knows anything about as far as the people who use the force go um, um, is Obi-Wan and 
um, the person that at this point he understands to be Anakin, um, that he would have that kind of vision there. Um, so I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of on the side of just kind of taking the scene at its word and just being like, yeah, this is what he sees. Um, unfortunately, you know, um, it gets interrupted by story stuff. But, mm. um, you know, this is kind of what happens when a person who's very hungry to learn more about the Force goes to a place where the Force is particularly strong, is that it kind of manifests what that person wants out of it but it's possible that it can only manifest itself in ways that the individual at hand uh, can kind of understand um if that's um if that makes sense other than that i don't really know i mean i don't i don't know if we have enough um, info to to go any deeper than that uh, with that scene definitely fair uh I like how I like the I like that interpretation of the force. I, I really do. The uh, almost like it's like it's trying to help. It's trying to help you as well as also help itself. You know, kind of working on on its own as well. Yeah, I I do really like that. No, I was I, I was literally just flipping through that earlier, um, just trying to pick uh, pick out different questions for tonight and everything. And I was like, I'm going to ask him about that. See what he see what he says. Um, you, I, I honestly, dude, I hadn't even thought about the brother and sister uh, from the, the of the Mortis family, <laughs> and I was, I was like, man, I, I know that there, because there was a point where I wasn't even watching the Dave Filoni Clone Wars, but I swear that yet, but I swear there was a point where every Star Wars YouTube channel had at least one video involving the family of Mortis. Um, they they quickly became one of the biggest like EU. EU properties out there, um, which, which, yeah, they're very interesting. Don't get me wrong, but like, they're not everywhere. Like everyone says they are, <laughs> and in everything. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a, that might be a year two um, <laughs> EU, EU review discussion. Honestly, uh, oh that's my me. god, I think that's that. Beautiful. I think that should be like a year five discussion. <laughs> get, get some more experience under our belt first. Because uh, I recall, because I recall when I watched that episode, because I watched a lot of um, the Clone Wars cartoon in college with my roommate and stuff. And that episode came up and like halfway through my roommate just kind of turned to me. I was just like, how do you know what's happening? <laughs> I was just like, not really. <laughs> I, I don't really get it. So I don't know. I may, I may need some more episodes under my belt before I try to dive into like the weird family theology of what the force is. Sure. Sure. Fair. <laughs> well, moving on to a, 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 EU character. That's a little bit more, a little bit easier to understand. Um, Al, this has some of my favorite Doctor Aphra moments in the entire in the entire series. Because um, I this just awesome. I love her standoff with Han. I I love that they both uh, they both screw up technically, and then they also both get the upper hand on each other. Um, so so talk to me a little bit about Doctor Aphra and what she does in this. What 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 do you think about her her involvement in all of this? Oh, Aphra is incredible. Like. In general, but also in this story, like uh, <laughs> Afra's awesome. I love that. I love that everything that Afra does in this story is completely one hundred percent fueled by the fact that she is trying to convince Darth Vader that she did not betray him. <laughs> like yep. Yep. everything she's doing is in a a panic fueled like <laughs> insanity filled effort to like prove to, to Vader that she is not trying to double cross him in any way. Um I love that so much. And like it gives a lot of it gives a lot of like character to a lot of these scenes as well. Um because, like, you know, she's having the banter with Han Solo, which is fantastic. It's some of the best um, 
back and forth dialogue that like I've ever um, I've ever read in comics. It does a lot to kind of like um, um, to kind of solidify um, the like um, the underworld of Star Wars in a lot of ways because we have two people who are in that side of the Star Wars universe and they find themselves on opposite sides of this conflict and they both have like their own understandings of like who each other is and and what they're doing and like why they're doing these things and it's fantastic along with the context and the understanding that the entire time Ava is having this back and forth with Han Solo that she's then in the back of her mind she's just kind of like crap 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 I don't really have time for this like <laughs> don't really have time to do this with you Han Solo right now um but um no it's great and like you get like the throwaway line about how like she like hates wasp worms and it always has to be wasp worms and have like the Indiana Jones kind of reference there which gets into its own weird thing because Indiana Jones and Han are are both both played by Harrison Ford and you get into oh my that. God. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's just it gets crazy. But um um no Afra's awesome in this. And it's really cool to see her to see her kind of conflict with Han kind of play out in very similar ways where like they both like figure out how to use like the opponents like positioning against them they figure out like hey it's it's way better if i have like allies on my side to help me out in this conflict and they have all of these like kind of mirrored kind of interactions um, and struggles um, and this confrontation and stuff. And um, I mean, I don't know, man. It's just cool. I like, I like how much how much is done and established about these characters just by this one confrontation uh, that happens and stuff and how much is kind of, how much of the d- d- differences between between two people who in a lot of ways are very very similar to each other as far as what they do and what their backgrounds are um and yet still showing how different they are at the same time as far as like their motivations and like the ideals that they believe in um and stuff like that i don't know it was very cool it was very cool to see like um you don't get to see confrontations between like two characters where one to use Dungeons and Dragons terms where one is kind of chaotic good and one is just kind of chaotic neutral and like you don't see that conflict very often in stories um like it made for like a really really interesting um confrontation between them so um yeah I was I thought it was awesome I was one of my favorite parts of the story. Yeah, I just, I mean, just anytime Afra's on screen, is it or on screen? Good lord, excuse me. Anytime Afra's on the page, <laughs> one um, day, <laughs> one day, yes, one day. Uh, please, please, please let that happen soon. Um, but anytime Afra's on the screen, I or good lord, I did it again. Is on the page, <laughs> on the page. Um, is just it's going to be. I, I, in a sense of eye-catching to me because she is just such an interesting character. Um, and you're right. I love the fact that the entire, everything she's doing is literally just, I don't want to die. And I particularly don't want to die at being choked out or having a really painful death. Like, there's even a point where she's just like, dude, just hit me with a lightsaber if we if we got to do this, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's just, that's one of my favorite that's one of my favorite uh, aspects of her story in this. Um, and then also she sets up, you know, one of the coolest, one of the things that have been set up the entirety of this comics and one of the coolest confrontations, which, 
you know, we keep talking about how many confrontations happen to this. Honestly, this is a book just of confrontations. It is a book uh, that has been set up over the last 12 issues of Darth Vader and of Star Wars just to get these characters here and to have them all just culminate on this planet. Um, but Chewbacca versus Black Kersantan is an awesome moment because there's so many cool panels. The Every artist that works on this is fantastic. Um, and, and, and I, I, I love the electric brass knuckles. I just think those are, that's an awesome weapon. Um, and also I like that it was, you know, it's Kersantan. He has such a kind of strong force over everyone, but, and that's why it takes, uh, C-3PO, R2-D2 and Chewbacca to take him down because Chewbacca is, uh, poisoned at that time, you know? And so I, I, I don't know. I, just, I that's another thing I just really, really enjoyed about this. Which, yeah, just God, everything about this comic is so cool. Um, I mean, even yeah. with, even in that fight, I mean, like you skipped over what is, in my opinion, the best part, where Luke is about to stay and help, and Han is just like, no, go find Leia. Um, Huey and I have got this. Uh, we're going to be fine. And then the very next panel is Chrysanthemum, like, holding Chewbacca above his head, about to, like, <laughs> break his back a la Bane and Batman. <laughs> and Han is just like, oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's just, oh, no. It's just great. Like, I would be down. I don't know. I feel like we did not get... We just talked about this actually um all of us um did an episode almost all of us uh did an episode on the book of Boba fett um a while back um and um small spoilers for that show but um but black chrysanthemum shows up and there's a part in one of the episodes where you assume black chrysanthemum is about to do like some super awesome hand-to-hand like Bookie kung fu against a bunch of people and then the camera cuts and then and then you find out oh nope this episode actually completely skipped over that scene and it's just like (laughs) oh my god why would you do that (laughs) and so we kind of get like a consolation prize invader down because we get to see this really cool fight between chris santon and chewbacca Uh, but one of the things it reminded me of was that scene or rather the lack thereof that scene um in the Boba Fett show and how I just really want to see Chris Anton just just hop up on a bunch of fools with his <laughs> with his fighting skills. No, I mean I I completely agree. I'm any time that they could possibly show uh Chris Anton in any capacity, uh in any of the shows, I will be happy. It doesn't matter where he shows up. So, Andor, sure. Ahsoka, let's do it. You know, just any of them, really. Um, he's a character is just so so much fun because he is such a... Uh, um, he's just so much fun because he is just such a... It's such a cool concept. You know, it, it's... We've only ever really seen Chewbacca... And so because of that, you know, like seeing, you know, I think it's a, a Goongi as a Jedi Wookiee and then seeing another a, a Wookiee bounty hunter, you know, it's a, a Wookiees are such a cool or such a cool, a cool species. That anytime we get to see them in any other capacity is just great. Um, and yes, I do, I do agree with you. We did not get enough of, the, of that scene in Book of Boba Fett. And that's and this is coming from someone who actually really likes the finale, but that's. That was the one moment where I was just like, man, you guys, you guys kind of messed messed us over on that one. Um, uh, let's see. What else do I have? I was going to talk about. Oh, well, <laughs> we, you know, who else we haven't talked about? The titular character. Who does he get tangled up with, Al? Uh, oh, oh, my God. I'll, I'll let you talk about it because I know you're just so enthusiastic about this. <laughs> like it's just it just goes to show this character is so stupid 
goes to show in this story because it's just he's just so ridiculous. Just go ahead and talk about Carbon. I know you want to. Of course I want to. Because because Commander Carbon is a Mon Calamari like head, basically. Yeah. yeah. Admiral Akbar for anybody who's unfamiliar with the term. Yes, excuse me. Yes, Admiral Imagine Admiral Akbar with the body of General Grievous. And that's what he is. And it is fantastic. I that's love what, him so That's much. where 60% of our listeners stopped the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> because there's a point where you're just like, oh, he kind of looks against General Grievous's body. And then next thing you know, he literally pulls out four lightsabers. And you're just, and then you're just like, oh, <laughs> this is crazy. Like we're, we're actually doing this. Um, and then him and him and Vader have a duel and, uh, there's a point where like, because once again, like you said, he's utterly ridiculous and, and I love that he is just taken care of so quickly. Um, there's a point where he's like, what? you only have one lightsaber. I have four or something, something that effect, like it's something ridiculous like that. And Vader's like, with the power of the force, all you need is one lightsaber. And then he cuts off like two of his arms and everything. And then he crashes like, I think he crashed or Afra crashes a ship into him. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just, it's great. It's just fantastic. Um, I did kind of like that aspect where we have like the, the main rebel forces, um, Afra and Vader, and then Carbon and the rest of the Imperial forces. Like, it's kind of like a battle of, like, three armies, basically, at that point. Uh, yes, because Vader is an army unto himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, as this as this comic goes to show you. Um, I don't know. I really... I, I, just, I thought that was a, such a fun and... <laughs> really stupid fun addition. Um, it's, it's one of those things where it's just like... We're, we're like, you know they were sitting in, like, a boardroom, like tossing ideas back and forth of like what to do and they were just like what if we literally gave a Mon Calamari like a cyborg body like General Grievous and then we and then it's not like General Grievous at the end of it it's literally General Grievous just with a Mon Calamari head and someone was and then someone was just like absolutely we are doing that I don't care what else happens we're doing that um, I like to think I like to think my head canon for how the story was written is that um, since it's a collaborative story uh, between the Star Wars title and the Vader title, that um, Kieran Gillen and Jason Aaron kind of came together to kind of work out the storyboard for this event. Um, and, and Jason Aaron was just like, so, um, yeah, um, none of these are out yet. Um, what kind of characters have you um, been playing around with in Darth Vader? And Karen Gillen is just like, oh, well, you know, I've got this kind of experimental group um, of Palpatines where, like, um, I'm just kind of a hodgepodge of, like, interesting kind of um, characters that Palpatine is considering as, like, um, as, like, an apprentice and stuff like that. And, you know, there's one that's just kind of fun, you know, he's got, like, the head of, like, a Mon Calamari, and then he's got the body of General Grievous and stuff like that. So, you know, I might do something with that character eventually. And Jason Aaron hears it, and he's just like, there's a, there's a what? (laughs) (laughs) And at that point, Kieran Gillen is just like, okay, well, we, we have to figure out a way to kill him in this event, because if I don't, because uh, if I don't, Jason Aaron is going to put Carbon in every single Star Wars story for the rest of the time <laughs> he's on the title. <laughs> That's how I imagine that meeting going. <laughs> Jason Aaron's just like, dude, forget Sergeant Creel. Like, we're just, we're, Scar, Squ- Scar Squadron is now led by Commander Carbon. I mean, just. <laughs> yeah, and then, <laughs> and then they ultimately decided. Um, to kill him off in this event. Um, and Jason Aaron was just like, well, now, well, if I can't have Carbon, I'm going to go create a vampire country in Avengers. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was the birth of that run. <laughs> you might be closer than you think on that, honestly. You really might be. Oh, man. 
goodness goodness me but of course that's uh i mean that's we're kind of coming to a close there because then you have uh you have africa's captured by you have africa's captured by princess leia which is kind of interesting um and you have leia ultimately making the decision to not fight vader and to instead go help her friends you know and that's that's a, that's another really good moment where it's like you said you know earlier she not only is she it's really her chance to grieve because it's her chance to really just move on um and it's subtle but it works really really well in my opinion um but yeah but yeah i just i love everything about this comic i really do it's just it's a, such a fun like i would it's one of those i would give to people if someone was like what what would you say is one of the, like just the most fun Star Wars conferences to jump into? I'd I'd absolutely hand this to someone, like yeah. uh, just and, uh, and I'd be like, if you want to read everything that comes before it, it's it adds a lot to it. There's gonna be a character called C- Commander Carver that you're gonna have no context for, <laughs> um, but everything else that happens in this uh, just flows really well, and it's just it's just a lot of fun to just jump right into. Um, Gosh, that's the best way. In my opinion, that's the best way to experience Commander Carbon. So not having <laughs> because his background—I mean, being honest, his background does not add anything to him whatsoever. So he's almost way better experience as just a random person who shows up with stormtroopers. You're just like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> what was going to be his plan? Like. I get that he had the vague idea of just like I'm gonna kill Vader and then I'll claim this victory for myself. It's just like what word is gonna get out. <laughs> like there's no way this is gonna be kept under wraps by anybody. Like that's, no. Plus, You're but, being but it's ridiculous. Like, what, what do you do now? Like you killed Vader. Now what do you do? It's just like oh well, great job. You captured this planet. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're the king of Rogas Voss now. I'm sure Palpatine's <laughs> going to be happy about that. <laughs> I'm sure nothing bad's going to happen to you now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. There's there's, a, there's an Elseworlds or like a Star Wars Tales where like, then like Carmen becomes like a Dark Lord of the Sith, you know, and everything just... <laughs> All written by Jason Aaron, but I asked. All written, all written by Jason Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> what should have happened at the end of Vader? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, goodness. Well, Al, this does lead me to the final question. Um, really, the, the two final questions. Ooh. One, what is your hypest moment? Sure. Okay. Um, I gave you a pause there because I wasn't sure if you were going to go into this. Oh, sorry. Like oh, okay, yes. Yeah, no, okay, okay, excuse me. No, no, no. <laughs> what is your hypest moment? And also, is this in your grand canon? Sure, sure. Um, so, yeah. So, I think my hypest moment is going to be... Um, it's not going to have anything to do with Amanda Carbon. Um, Damn. <laughs> it's, um, I think my hypest moment is going to be, and there's a couple of reasons for this, is where at the very beginning of the story, when Vader first flies into kind of the atmosphere, if you will, of Rogus Voss, and he sees all of the rebel pilots and they begin their um, their battle, their conflict. And there's a point where several of the X-Wings lock on to Vader's TIE Fighter and they send um, pistols at it. And they're just like, we'll see him try to dodge this. And there's like auto lock bombs and things like that. Um, And Vader from inside his ship just kind of like uses the force to deflect them away. Um, And they're like blown away by that. Uh, because that like is supposed to be impossible to do um that part was super hype for a couple reasons i love the idea of like because we always are told that like jedi are these super powerful um warriors who can change the tides of a battle and like that's very like easy to see and like 
paddles on the land and stuff, right? But um, it's very cool to see that play out in like a space-based battle as well to um, see just like the havoc that like a very skilled horse user is able to have um, even on a space battle where like um, you would assume odds were like a lot more even. Um, and so it was super hyped to see that. It also kind of, I don't know if this was like an intentional kind of callback or not, but it very much reminded me of this part in Heir to the Empire, which is my first um, EU um, old canon thing I ever experienced, um, Heir to the Empire, um, where a similar flipped thing happens where Oop Skywalker is piloting his X-Wing and he flies out into like a period of um, Imperial TIE Fighters and um, he isn't or like his allies aren't sure of how they're going to handle this and how they're going to survive because they're so outnumbered and Luke is just like no I got this and he flies out into them and he uses the force to basically like put all the Imperial pilots like into a coma like as he's flying into them and so like they just can't do anything and they're able to like fly through them and escape um and i remember reading that and i was stunned i was speechless <laughs> at that scene i was just like what kind of overpowered just stupid bullcrap is this <laughs> like that's ridiculous so I don't know if it was like intentionally a callback to like this like throwaway scene in Heir to the Empire I kind of doubt it was but um it definitely reminded me of that and how I felt uh, when I first read that scene and how the how the pilots uh, probably felt where they were just like yeah auto lock oh no oh no <laughs> kind of thing but, That's uh, not good. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, and then, um, um, of course, the um, the main question of the evening, uh, whether or not uh, we accept this into our grand canon. For those yeah. of you, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, we are kind of uh, taking a final judgment on these various um, stories and things we're um, reading and watching and playing, um, and deciding if. If we had to construct our own personal timeline of new and old canon stuff in Star Wars, um, if each of these things uh, would earn a place um, somewhere in that timeline for us. Um, this one absolutely does for a bunch of reasons that honestly we've already talked about a bit. I mean, it gives a lot of growth um, to... Yeah, I think it uh, really helps to even more so flesh out her character. It gives her a chance to grieve over Alderaan, gives her a chance to kind of show the Skywalker side in her that we don't really see very much. Um, it's great for her. It's incredible for Darth Vader to see kind of like the extent of his power. Um, it's great for just kind of establishing the world to see these interactions between these various characters and um, even if they feel kind of out of place happening in this big conflict on this planet, just these small snippets of how, of how you know, Han knows who Dr. Afer is um, and how, how Ader is operating is like pretty much the only one operating on the knowledge that he's Luke's father and things like that and just kind of fleshing out the world of it I mean I think just the intrinsic storytelling value there um, um, is worth including it um, and that isn't even getting into all of the insane action um, that happens as well so um, so yeah it's a hard yes um, I'm on my side for sure yeah, I mean, it's, it's, for me, it's very clearly, uh, it has to be a, a yes for me. Like, there's no, there's just no way around it. Um, 
I mean, it, it's every, everything about this book is something I want people. If someone, I was thinking about this today. Of like the you know whatever the the question is always there of like what do you what Marvel comics or Marvel films do you show to someone to introduce them to that universe you know like what's what is the number one like the first one that you're just like dude you got to watch this you'll get it kind of situation if someone asked me why do why are the Star Wars comics so good and why are they worth it alongside the movies and the books and everything else. This is what I would tell them to read. Like this is this is the one. This is this is it at its highest caliber, in my opinion. Um, there's a lot of great ones out there. There might even be some that are technically better. But for 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 my money, if I'm going to hand something to someone and say, just read it and just go to work and just there you go, that's it's Vader down. Um, so yeah, it's absolutely it's absolutely in my in in my grand canon can't. Can't do this episode without saying that it is, honestly. Um, hypest moment. I mean, it's got it. Like I said, man, it's got to be that Vader quote. It's because I've I, I told you I read this. I mean, God, I'm old. Um, probably like six years ago, I would say it was the last time I read this. But even I will never forget the first time I saw that scene of him just surround literally surrounded like in a giant like crater, basically, of all these rebel soldiers and all he says is all I'm surrounded is all I'm surrounded by is fear and dead men as he is drawing his lightsaber and like this like traditional like it looks like a Kurosawa like painting basically only it's a Vader as the samurai you know mm -hmm. and it's just I everything about it is just cool and so mm -hmm. you know from from there that's that's just that's just where I go that's my hypest moment yeah. um I mean but, and not to be outdone, like even like immediately after that, I mean like um, he uses a force to pull the trigger on like all of the um, all of the grenades, and um, yeah. and then like the very next thing he does is he like uses his lightsaber to like block and deflect like a like a huge caliber blaster from like a, a tank like it's just it's just yeah. a series of of increasingly impressive things that he does it's just uh it's just really cool yeah yeah it's just it's everything about us is great man all right brother any closing remarks or anything um yeah as um as jacob said um you should read this book, even if it's even if you don't um, read comics in general. Like I think th this is one where like you should probably make an exception for, um, because like at the end of the day, like even if you aren't like super into Star Wars, like Jacob and I are, like this is just a very very enjoyable ride. It's just like a lot of really cool stuff that like is the reason why like even people who aren't star wars fans like will still like stop and watch like the cool action sequences and the saber fights and the space battles um, whenever they come up in, in star wars films like it's got all of that in it even if you aren't into like the characters of the story or anything else so like yeah you don't have a reason to not stop by your comic book shop and grab this um sure. yeah it's just really good all right, my friends. Well, that is going to do it for us tonight. Please be sure to continue to hang out here and listen to all the other great podcasts that we have going on and all the other great things that we have coming for you here at the Fandom Correspondence. Mm -hmm. But thank you all so much for your continued support, as always, and we hope that you remember that fandom is for everyone. You all have a wonderful evening. We'll see you all soon.